So what is it about that baby? Why is, it, why is this baby from so long ago, why is he so well known to so many of us? Why is his face on potion stamps? Why do seasonal markets bear his name? That's a local one, right? Why is his face in countless pieces of art? Hi, Frank, for anyone who can identify it. <laughs> Good. Why does he show up on so many book covers? Why are nativity sets a multi-million Swiss franc industry? That one decidedly not Swiss. I think that's a precious moments hallmark type one. And why in some countries are live nativity scenes all the rage? Anyone ever seen one, a live one? All right, a few of you, okay. So what is it about this baby Jesus? Why the interest? Why the attention? Why the fascination? Why the celebration? Well, part of it, of course, is that people simply like babies, don't they? Right? Baby. Who, what's there not to like about a baby? And not just human babies, all babies. Aw, right? I, I was... A little underwhelmed by your awe, but okay. <laughs> Could do better, I'm sure, but next time. We like baby cats, baby dogs, baby horses, baby sheep, baby cows, even baby pigs. Outside of perhaps baby snakes and baby spiders, it's hard to think of any babies we don't like. And one of the biggest reasons, of course, that we like babies is that they're just so darn cute, right? Again, what's there not to like? So no doubt about it with respect to this baby Jesus. Cuteness is probably part of it. But surely, surely, there must be more to it. More to this baby than just cuteness. And it would be nice if all of you could see the baby there looking at those four babies. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? Fabulous. Anyway, so again, I ask, why the inordinate interest? Why the inordinate interest? Why the inordinate attention? Why the inordinate fascination? Why the inordinate celebration having to do with this baby? Well, I have a sense for some people, at least, I have a sense that it has something to do with the baby's mission, the baby's mission. You see, this baby's mission was to bring about what some Christian theologians might call the great reversal, the great reversal. And this mission of the great reversal, it turns out, it actually strikes a chord with people. More so than cuteness even. So what do I mean by the great reversal? Well, there are many facets actually to this idea of the, the great reversal, but one facet might be explained in this way. 
So the world is not quite as it should be. Do you agree? Anyone agree with me that the world isn't quite as it should be? Okay. It's pretty messed up. Amen? Amen, right? So whatever you believe about God and humanity, whatever you think about heaven and hell, whatever you understand to be the origins of the universe and life as we know it, uh, whether you're Swiss or Brazilian or Canadian or Thai or Australian, whether you're a carnivore, an omnivore, a pescatarian, a vegetarian, or a vegan, or just like me, a fast food junkie, whether Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Miley Cyrus, or Drake topped your Spotify wrapped list this year? Anyone get their wrapped list back? A few people, right? Anyone want to stand up and share their results? <laughs> Shame on you. Why, what do the little E's mean next to, like, Drake? The little E. That's explicit, right? Well, anyway, I figured that out eventually. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, yeah. So regardless of whether you're any of these things, I bet you can agree with me on this. I bet you can agree with me on this. That there's something seriously wrong with this world. This world isn't as it should be. And not only that, our lives are not as they should be. They're messed up too, in varying degrees, of course. But for all of us, our lives are not as they should be or as we might like them to be. And of course, they never will be. Life on planet Earth, in its current form at least, will always, always, always have its hurts and its pains, its frustrations, its failures, its disappointments, its defeats its losses. This is the human situation. This is the human predicament. And so perhaps for many people, what this baby represents is the possibility that someday, someday, something different, something better might come about. He offers the possibility of what is wrong in our lives someday finally being made right. He offers the possibility of what is lost in our lives someday being regained. He offers the possibility of what is wrecked in our lives someday finally being restored. He offers the possibility that all that's sick and wrong in our lives, all that is spoiled and corrupted, strained and stressed, damaged and diseased, aging and declining, lost and unrecoverable or seemingly unrecoverable, that someday, someday could be reversed and made okay. That someday it could be reversed and made good. That someday it could be reversed and made right. Now, for some of what I've just mentioned, some of it, perhaps the someday is actually going to come sooner than later. Through Christ-like acts of forgiveness and pardon, through Christ-like acts of love and compassion, through Christ-like acts of kindness and generosity, we can already get a, get a taste of the peace and joy that this great reversal someday is going to bring about in our lives and in this world. But that said, 
That said, a full and complete reversal of all that is wrong will only come later. Later, when the baby returns to earth as judge and king. It will come later when he returns once and for all to restore this world and to establish his kingdom. Here's a description of that someday. It's from the book of Revelation. The Apostle John, writing in the New Testament of the Bible, he describes a vision he's received. A vision about what it's going to look like when Christ returns. What it's going to look like when this great reversal finally comes about. And this is what he says. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's the reversal part. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So when I look in the mirror, when I look out at you, I see in many cases people who long for things to be different, people who long for things to be better. Because of what we have experienced in the past or are experiencing now or anticipate experiencing the future, I see among us a longing for reversal, a longing for reversal. Each of us in our own way, I think, we long for reversal. We long for a reversal of the pain that we've inflicted or a reversal of the pain we've suffered. We long for a reversal of the distance we've caused in a relationship or a reversal of the the distance someone else has caused in a relationship. We long for a reversal of a broken bond, reversal of a busted family, the reversal of a disease, of an addiction, a dependency, a reversal of our loneliness, of heartache, fear, anxiety. So many things I could mention that we long for a reversal of. We long for things to be as they should be, as God created them to be. We long for them to be good, to be right, to be healthy, to be whole. And therein lies, ultimately, I believe, our attraction to this baby Jesus. For in him and through him alone lies the hope of a great reversal someday taking place. In him alone lies the hope of all that is wrong in this world and in our lives and in ourselves someday being put right. In him alone lies the hope of all that should not be finally being as it should be. In him alone lies the hope of the darkness in our lives someday changing to light. In him alone lies even the hope of death, even the hope of death someday changing to life. To close, let me just say this. Let's, let's apply this now, all right? It's a challenge, I guess you could say. This Jesus Christ, who someday will bring about this great reversal at the end of time, 
He's got a job for us to do in the meantime. He's got a job for you to do. He's got a job for me to do in the meantime. And lucky for many of you, it's an engineering job. <laughs> Any engineers in training or engineers already licensed? Oh, come on. There's more than that. All right. Okay. It's an engineering job. So tonight, I'd like to think of all of you as engineers. We're all engineers tonight. This is because the job I believe Christ has for us to do on this earth is to help engineer many reversals, many reversals, until he comes back to bring about the great reversal. So, what would our helping engineer such many reversals look like? Well, maybe this. Just going to throw out a few. It's not comprehensive. They're just illustrative. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of loneliness. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of rejection. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of unbelief. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of poverty. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of hatred. In one person or a few, help engineer the reversal of their suffering, whatever source of suffering uh, that may include. You see, there are many, many reversals that we can help engineer before Christ comes again to bring about the great reversal. And this, I believe, is our calling, the calling that Christ has given us, each and every one of us, out of his love for the world and concern for its people. We can give the world a taste, just a taste, of the peace and joy of the great reversal by, through the Spirit's power, engineering these mini-reversals until that day is a reality. Why all the interest? Why all the attention? Why all the fascination? Why all the celebration having to do baby? Really, I think it's hope. It's hope. Hope for now, hope for later, and hope for eternity. Amen.